Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast that discusses current events, relevant topics, and emerging issues in pharmacy. I'm your host, Carly McMore, and together with my producer, Jared McMore, and the Australian Journal of Pharmacy, we are bringing you a podcast that draws on the opinions and expertise of pharmacists from all settings and experience levels, from those pharmacists who've already been a voice in the profession to those who've never had their voice heard before. This is the second episode in a series that will include the thoughts of our guests on the current state of pharmacy, where it has come from, and where it is going in the future. Belinda Wood starts by pointing out that the focus for pharmacy will always be the same, patient-focused care by medicines experts. Pharmacists in the future are not going to be terribly much different in their outlook from pharmacists in the past and pharmacists today in that it's about patient care, right? So I really do think that um, when we look at pharmacists in 2023, we do talk about this being for patients, And I think that looking beyond 2023 and looking to the future, that won't change. Pharmacists will be there for patients. And what I'd like to see in the future is patients recognising that that is what this is about. Yes, it's about medicines. Yes, it's about healthcare, but it's about them. So so saying to see pharmacists in the future um, really taking taking their rightful place as medicines experts, but about as about being, uh, you know, people to talk to about anything relating to your health care. Um, we, you know, we talk about um, community pharmacies being health hubs and, 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 you know, that that term might be used a little bit loosely, but I think the vision that I have for, um, for the future is that um, the community, people like you and me, will be thinking about a medical condition or a problem and seek their pharmacist's advice first. Um, go and access that that highly trained health professional um, who's able to have a conversation with you and uh, and, and they, you know, they're not that far away from where you live. So, you know, being able to have that conversation, I think, is exactly where pharmacists are now. It's what they've always done and I can see that happening in the future. David Heffernan talks about how technology will continue to drive productivity, but when will it hit a point where productivity cannot be increased any further? You know, it has changed a lot, with, especially with technology. Um, the thing that does worry me, look, the productivity has increased so dramatically with, you know, in pharmacies. Um, it does concern me that, that, you know, at what lim- limit does the productivity you know, hit peak productivity? Um, in the past, we used to have you know the old dot matrix printers that make a lot of noise, and you'd rip off the paper and you'd get your 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 your, your what was it the, the binded roll of it, and the and the printer would stuff up and it'd stuff everything up, and you're bloody stressed out, and people waiting for their scripts, and be noisy, and the ink ribbon and fall out. And now you've got ink toners, which cost you a fortune. So all these little annoying little parts have changed, but um, the pharmacy practice itself, I think, you know, you, you look at, you, you've got one phase where it was nearly all extemporaneous preparation. You, you would, you know, in the old days, you'd have your arms up to your armpits in big vats of cream, making up a big batch and getting it ready put out in jars and ready to sell. Um, then we've gone to less extemporaneous and more pre-packaged drugs and, and, and a greater v- a variety of 
drugs as new drugs discovered were, uh, discoveries were made. You know, um, there hasn't been any really significant drug discoveries in the last 50 years, except for in a lot of the higher-level medicine, in like um, like oncology and and um, yeah, 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 yeah. Now we do have the um, the what is it? The biogenomics, is it? The 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 ones that are looking at your genes and specifically ones. So there, there, there's a lot of technology being done in that space, but nothing really coming out, you know. So the big ones have probably been antidepressants, you know, erectile dysfunction, and maybe hair loss and a few others. Yeah, like it's not not huge. So there, there's been a lack. Um, as a politician said to me once. The next new big thing in health will not be the discovery of a new molecule. There will be data and how we use data for our, to our advantage and for health outcomes, and and I believe that to be true. Um, technology in how we use data, how we're doing programs and such, and how we can communicate and and get the best for the patient is key these days. Um, so in the past, we used to be out the back and such, um, you know, pharmacists for a while turned into data entry agents where, you know, a bit like monkeys are just putting in, standing at the computer. So, and that's a, we've, we've heard the terminology before, caged pharmacists, you know, becoming free range, coming out the front. And we are seeing more and more of that. The future, the Pharmacy Guild have mapped out and done a lot of research and, and, this is good research. It may not be telling some people anything new or anything they didn't know, but for other people it might, we hope, will be a bit of a re- revelation because this study we've done has basically looked at nearly every scenario of the future and try to walk backwards to where we are now. And we think it's a pretty good snapshot and, you know, and it is that pharmacy is going to be changing space. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be more service-based. There will be less government revenue. There will be um, a more of a need to differentiate from retail and big box turnover style pharmacies to service delivery pharmacies. Um, and it will come down to different models of remuneration for that. So the future, I think, does look bright, but you know, it, it's people need to act now. And you see, you're seeing it everywhere. People are putting in consultation rooms. They are starting to get into new services like vaccinations, like um, you know, your different meds checks. They're, they're, and not even just in the meds checks, which is remunerated by the government. People are doing their own services. You know, where people are quite happy to pay for them. So I think there's a a lot of optimism in that space, but yeah, it, it, pharmacy does need to get out of the dark ages a little bit. Um, I know it's intimidating for some people. Um, the, that that change can be hard. Um, however, I think I think once they embrace it, yeah, it will be rewarding. Elise Apolloni discusses how pharmacists will become the cornerstone of primary care in the future. I see pharmacy as being the cornerstone of primary health care in the future. I think our role will increase. I think we will become um, a lot more prevalent in the prevention and detection space. 
who knows, we might be doing pathology testing in our pharmacy. We might be, um, you know, pre-diagnosing conditions that we then refer to the GP in more complex cases for treatment. Hopefully we'll be prescribing um, a basic form formulary of medicines that's within our scope of practice um, and then being able to manage... Um, some chronic diseases, um, keeping the doctor and the patient in the loop because it's all about access and, you know, patient-centredness. And I believe that pharmacy is a place where patients feel very comfortable. More and more our pharmacies are becoming more patient-centric as we increase private spaces and places and make them sort of fresher and more open and less product-focused and more health-focused. And I think that's just a really nice place for healthcare to happen. Graham Smith talks about how pharmacists are moving away from only dispensing and compounding towards a future where pharmacists are found wherever medicines are used. Our future is certainly as the medicines expert. And it's been well quoted, and I think it was Ash Soni from the RPS who, who started the conversation along the lines of wherever there are medicines, there must be a pharmacist. Um, we, we've come from, from kind of a dispensing background um, and making products to giving advice and now it's more around providing services. The whole... I think every country that, that has a public health system um, is struggling with the, with the increasing costs of health care. And I think the role of the pharmacist in the future is, is going to be more around the appropriate use of medicines, appropriate for clinical outcomes, appropriate for reducing wastage. It, it's, the, it's using the expertise as the medicines expert to coach the patient to the best outcome. I think that's where we're heading. Technology will replace a lot of the manual tasks we're doing. And it, it, it's around being able to put a human face on the knowledge that we've got to assist our patients to outcomes. And, and as far as the wider health systems go, that's the whole thing about keeping people well in their own homes and avoiding the high costs of secondary care. Ravi Sharma talks about how the pharmacy workforce will be integrated into the wider healthcare system. So from my personal perspective, I think from, it, from the UK, we know that the profession is changing and the way we need to deliver care for the future is absolutely changing as well. I see the future for the pharmacy profession to be much more clinical service-led but I also see there will be greater collaboration and integration of the whole pharmacy workforce into the wider NHS, i.e. making best use of the clinical skills of us as holistic, person-centred care practitioners to really utilise our expertise to transform the way health is being delivered. Um, I would like to see a workforce that is able to professionally move across the entire NHS healthcare system that have the skills, competence and confidence to deliver care where patients need their care. Rather than patients following the system, I have to go here for my healthcare, I have to go here for my healthcare. Patients can be in their homes, they can be in the community, hospital, and they have a pharmacist as part of a multidisciplinary team delivering excellent care to them. Um, I think the vision for, from my personal perspective is that I would love to see more pharmacist prescribers. I would like to see prescribing starting to be thought about in the undergraduate pharmacy degree, but also a lot more earlier on in pharmacy careers, getting the prescribing qualifications that enable you to become a prescribing practitioner um, 
um, enabled you to really start to develop your continual professional development pathway to become more of a generalist practitioner, specialising in your various specialisms. But I would like to see more consultant pharmacists across the healthcare system, the real system leaders of the organisations that are pulling in greater use of medicines from a wider healthcare perspective in the NHS. Felicity Huxhagen notes that the future involves utilising pharmacists to deliver health to patients and not hiding in the dispensary. Um, in my very limited experience of pharmacy in comparison, um, the pharmacy I was raised in was, as Carolyn said, the, the retail. So it was a massive cosmetic section, a massive fragrance section, which was regularly robbed. And then you had the pharmacist hidden away out the back behind their great big screen to deal the drugs and hand them to the technician to hand out. Um, I really never understood it. I, to this day, looking back, I sort of think, well, that's that's not really great. People come into pharmacy because they want to speak to the pharmacist. Why are they hiding out the back? And then as I got older and started working in pharmacy... The pharmacy I was working in was still that the pharmacist hides out the back. You've got the cosmetics girls as you walk in the front door and you're choking on the perfume. And I thought, well, that's really not... You're not making people happy. You're not helping them. And then I started working for a pharmacy where their whole game was forward dispensing. So the pharmacist is there. They're in your face. They're on the floor and they're there to help you. And I thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. People were coming in... And they weren't paying the $80 and getting negligible Medicare rebate. They were getting the advice they wanted and they were getting a, a solution. And it wasn't just a, you know, here's your tablet for your blood pressure. It was a whole health solution of what's your diet like, what's going on at home, um, are you drinking enough water? Um, at the present moment, a lot of pharmacies are adapting that model of the forward dispensing. And I think that is a fantastic opportunity for... Um, both the pharmacists to upskill and to maintain their their people skills, for want of a better word. But as someone who has gone through university and seen the darker side of people who freeze when they're more than a metre away from another person, do we really have enough um, training while these pharmacists are going through training to make these people come out of their shell and be able to not just tell a patient, this is your drug, this is what it's going to do, but to talk to them and say, what do you expect this drug to do? What do you believe that this medication is going to do for your condition? Because they don't want a treatment. They want a cure. They want to be able to say, I'm going to take this for a week and suddenly I'm going to be magically better. But if you can't stand there and say, look, it's going to take time and get them to understand that and appreciate that, you're not doing your job properly. And I'm a little bit worried that the future of the pharmacy world is going to become a little bit too digital, a little bit too automated, and that we're going to lose a lot of that um, personification, for want of a better word. Um, but in saying that, I've worked with some absolutely incredible pharmacists where they are just phenomenal at being able to get that message across and get the patient to understand um, whether their condition is acute or chronic, um, just how it's going to affect them, their family, their job and so forth. Um, and I think we need to be encouraging these people to get out there and train up 
um, train up the future pharmacists, train up the future dispensary technicians that are doing a fair bit of this counselling and really get the message out there that pharmacy can help. We're not going to charge you 80 bucks for it and that we are the, the forefront of health in Australia. Kathy Reid looks to our strengths from the past, such as trust and accessibility, and how these are leveraged into the future as our dispensing roles change. I think, I think in some, I think what we need to carry forward from the past is the role, the important role that the pharmacist plays in the community. I think when we look at what what are our key points of value in in terms of what we do. It's our accessibility and our ability to be able to have people to be there for people in their local communities to be able to access a trusted healthcare professional without the need for an appointment, potentially whether it's appropriate going forward or not for no fee, but historically it's always been that you can come in, you can see your pharmacist and you can ask them a question around any health concerns that you have. And, and that accessibility, I think, is something that's really important carrying forward. I think the the technical role of dispensing is going to change really dramatically going forward. I think what we've seen so far in terms of the... You know, it has changed via the introduction of computers and it's probably happened at a relatively slow pace. You know, we've now got interaction software that takes away or not takes away but assists the pharmacist in the need where previously you know you a lot of that need for checking up on interactions or contraindications relied on your own ability to know in your memory what the problems were and also review the patient's history and actually see that that part of the equation is going to continue to be automated, I think, by the use of artificial intelligence and smart machines, particularly as the healthcare record silos get broken down. Once you can actually have broader health information outside of just what's in a pharmacy computer taken into account, it's going to get very, very easy for AI to actually automate that part of what typically has been, I guess, the art of dispensing, which brings, is going to bring it back to a very much a focus on how the pharmacist can actually support the patient in achieving their health outcomes. And that's via the conversation and it's the utilisation of the data that they're able to get and interpreting that and helping the patient to interpret what their data and what the information means and how they can actually proactively move forward using their accessibility as a key driver of that. So I think for me that's kind of really we take we take the best bits out of the past carry those through the present and make sure that we don't lose sight of what our true value proposition is into the future, which is about, for me, and always has been, around that accessibility and approachability and the ability for anybody to walk off the street on any given day and see a healthcare professional when and as they need to. Do you see the scope of practice changing and even maybe niche roles happening for pharmacists? Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think the scope of practice is going to change quite significantly in terms of um, the the role in of being the almost the data manager and the data interpreter. Again, driven by that accessibility, you're going to see patients. We're going to as well as getting 
a greater level of insight into patients' health records. There's also that whole new world of data that now is opened up where you can actually get an understanding of what's happening on in the patient and what in, in their health, what impact their medicines are having on them when they're not physically in front of you. You know, even with our accessibility, it might only be five or ten minutes a week that on average we would see a patient come in. There's a lot of hours and minutes in that week where we don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know what impact their health condition and their medicines are having on them. But now the beauty of wearables and sensors and Internet of Things means that there's actually mechanisms for all of that data to be captured, the algorithms can do their thing in terms of presenting the the insights from that data and then we as pharmacists can be having those conversations with the patient around what that information means, how that gets factored into, you know, do they need any medicine adjustments because their activity levels increased enormously, they've dropped a whole lot of weight, should we actually be looking at whether their dosages are still current? You know, their sleep pattern's been incredibly poor. Oh, you started on a beta blocker last week. Okay, well, there's a direct correlation there. Let's talk about that. So I think our the role and the scope of practice is going to change in, if, if we get there and we embrace it into being almost that data curator and liaison piece. And my concern is that if pharmacists don't actually pick up that role and take it, there are a lot of other allied health professionals who are standing there in the background with their hands up going, pick me, pick me, I can do that part. So our accessibility for me is our competitive advantage, but we've got to actually see what's coming and embrace the opportunity that that delivers us and delivers and creates for us. Joyce McSwan notes that pharmacy scope of practice will continue to grow in promising ways so long as we don't lose sight of workforce capability. I'd like to talk about pharmacy future. I think we have an incredibly bright, bright future. I wouldn't have said that um, perhaps 18 months ago. <laughs> uh, however, in the last 18 months, I have observed, and this is purely from observation, which given me certainly some confidence, um, I've observed some really excellent um, representation. Uh, not all I've agreed with, and that's fine, but essentially some of the points that the pharmacy scope of practice particularly has highlighted and aimed at and secured in some projects have been incredibly promising. And to me, I think that if... There's a couple of ifs to support that, though. If we do not lose sight at trying to increase workforce capability, um, which is a really burden, you know, burdening at the moment for me in observing what our future will look like, um, assuming that workforce capability continues to be optimised um, and needs to be improved. So if it continues to be improved and optimised, then we do have a bright future. I think the writing is in that direction right now. Um, the confidence level prior to 18 months ago was probably in not having um, some of that certainties, you know, as as planned and prescribed. So, for example, the some of the 2023 documents and the 2025 documents, I think, that have been open and visible have been very, very 
useful, I think, for the for the uh, the general feeling of where pharmacy could head and I think they've been very positive inclusions to help give despite the environment not being there yet to help give some vision on on that you know I think those plans are really important and almost to a certain extent predictive you know can be predictive I mean I remember you know in my own and that's evidenced by how I've observed my own sort of uh, practice and I'm hoping that you know other pharmacists you know who read those documents um, or simply aware of what's happening uh, will hopefully kind of also get that get that feeling and emotion uh, to then therefore you know see it out or or make it realized right so I reflect on um, 10 years ago more or less yep um, when the national pain strategy came out the very first right I hadn't realised that that was the first um, strategy ever. My work in pain has just started. And I remember the only guiding document I could find was literally the five goals of the National Pain Strategy. Now, that is in itself, you know, if you then look at mirror that to perhaps some of the 2023, 2025 documents that pharmacy has, it's kind of, you know, putting out a little bit of that footprint to what it could look like. I, I remember looking now we're in re- reflection at the National Pain Strategy, and that was really the same footprint, right? So when I looked at it, I thought, oh, okay, so these things are the requirements. These things are certainly possible. So I simply used that and worked with that every edge of the way, and certainly that has enabled, um, without any peer guidance or any support of mentoring, because there was few and far between then, really guided that. So I think documents as boring as they can be, um, I think those writings, and I've seen those of late, particularly that the bodies of pharmacies um, have released, I think to me that spells, and if you really believe in that, and if you really work with that in mind, um, I think that can spell for the industry a bright, bright future um, because we are very underutilised. And hopefully that also means then that our value proposition, as we talked about before, will, will come into play because that is what helps us to redefine, you know, that value that we have. So it's, um, yeah, so I think I'd like to think of the, the future as, as bright and it is absolutely as bright as we want it to be. I think it's up to us to make it as bright as we can dream of. Honestly, because um, policymakers are only only guided by and only educated by those within. So if we limit ourselves and limit our belief, then we will be limited. But if we really sincerely look at those documents and write your own add-ons on the side, um, on top of, <laughs> be the best you can and then be better than that. So if they're already the best we have and we can, you know, in our own personal achievements, look beyond that, then I think, yeah, if we practice towards with the goal in mind, then I think we'll make it. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to ajppodcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast.